good evening listeners and welcome to the talkie taka podcast and uh, this is an episode where darwin has finally evolved chelsea have gone finally gotten a victory finally it feels good to say so, so honestly i don't know i, I think i probably jinxed it considering um, the next game week is coming up soon but yeah i still wanted to say it because it's been so long uh united the, the last time swag said something like that was we have a number 9 and he scored exactly, wow exactly exactly <laughs> why i didn't want to say something like this but selavi we'll see we'll see i mean the last time i said that as you said it was oba he did not touch the ball again but yeah we'll see and also there was a rash penalty that gave united the win in a game where everyone thought that after 4 minutes it's done the rash penalty was from forest side to dsk's finger waving not from the referee's side i just wanted to put rash's name in there so welcome uh, to the episode uh, listeners and we have uh, radha ji dsk and rk on the panel today uh, so boys there is uh, another game coming up tomorrow another game week it never stops so we'll start with your talky mo- moments points whatever you want to call it radha ji we'll start with you i think it has to be only one thing right you guessed it swag obviously i was talking about the everton wolves game can't be anything apart from that but it was nunes 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 i think that's the one i have it's a moment we've been waiting for for so long darwin has done plenty for people to be happy with plenty to for people to be optimistic about but he's not had a moment like this so darwin nunes the double salvo to beat a newcastle team at st james's park with 10 men i have to say got me off my seat fist pumping running around the room pretty pretty awesome feeling after a long time and how's never beaten klopp yet right I think he went he went to great pains in the pre-match conference to talk about a EFL game where he had lost to Bournemouth some 7 years ago 5 years ago I don't know so <laughs> as soon as he was asked that question he is like when you ask me that question all I can think about is that one match which I lost to them so yeah I think he has lost but maybe not in the league okay DSK what's it been for you united have been busy finally a win that was uh, come from behind against the odds is that your talking point uh probably not that that we can speak in later but uh the in our first episode i said oh this feels very uh non united like where the entire transfer has been really well planned uh, things going so smooth uh yeah i jinxed it left and right because united are in a lo- last minute shopping spree trying to get uh loan deals for 1 dollar i think uh uh not sure where whether we'll have a left back in uh by end uh of uh the window we do not have any forward i i do not consider mariquin marshall anymore as a forward uh we do not have a backup for casimiro uh varan seems to be injured that means harry maguire stays and we do not have a backup keeper as of now i have no idea what's happening yeah and we'll touch on that more in detail because the transfer window slams shut as it usually does on sky sports tomorrow and uh, talking about jinxes rk what's your talky point of this week 
so you know uh, when uh, like first of all when dsk was talking about his talky moment and all the transfer the uh, you know question that has been going through my mind is that maguire plus uh, mctominay 60 million should we have taken that or not I, i i think that's you know looks like such a big blunder right now but my talky moment of the week is uh, the spanish fa rubiales uh, you know the like the speech that he made uh, it just sounded like some par- uh, you know politician in parliament saying uh, you know standing his ground giving a big election rally speech and then uh, you know the most surprising part people even applauding him for that so i i it it's uh, something which has stayed in my mind throughout this week and uh, you know i have been amazed at how collectively you know so many people can be can can be so deluded and you know they can be so foolish to back so so uh, you know someone so obviously wrong and he's even gone to the extent of saying that he was innocent and you know uh, like the uh, you know woman player was even you know consensual or trying to uh, you know what not so i i mean it's it's horrible and that's my talking moment of the week yeah it it reminded me as if he was trying to invoke the spirit of uh, leonardo dicaprio from wolf of wall street i am not fucking leaving and stuff like that it it did not come across that way and now his mother is locked herself up in a church on a hunger strike to so that the the witch hunt against her son stops and this is when everything is out there in the public domain so it's it's not as if something happened behind closed doors and there is a he said she said sort of situation this is out there in the open and even then there is so much negativity around it is frankly astounding right so getting into slightly more positive things to talk about uh radha ji why don't you as the person who was trying to get the positivity in last episode someone be positive please why don't you start us off you've had a pretty good weekend i would say one hell of a weekend swag i mean started off i said the same thing last episode and i feel like i'm starting off every liverpool match in a similar manner when the game started it looked like everything was going to shit I don't mean the red card or the Trent Alexander-Arnold incident specifically. I think with 11 men, I think we were playing quite terribly. We weren't winning any of the battles, no 50-50s, stray passes from our best players. Again, I think this happened in the home game uh, last against uh, Bournemouth as well, where Alisson and Trent had some poor passes in the beginning of the game. Here as well, Trent, very poor passing. And then, of course, the mistake for the goal. So Wozlai had a couple of errors on the ball, uh, and then they scored off a absolutely like howler from Trent, where he was for the second time in two weeks looked up before he had got the ball in control, and the ball went past him, and uh, they ended up scoring from there. Uh, and then the Van Dyke red card. So when that goal went in, you always think, okay, there's a lot of time in the game. Liverpool have gotten better as games have gone along, so uh, there's a lot of uh, hope there. But then Van Dijk's sending off—that was a real gut punch. Um, so yeah, after that, not expecting anything from the game. I think I called on the as soon as the goal went in and the red card happened. I was saying this looks like a Man City final thrashing when Mane got sent off um, several a few years ago now. um as we kept holding on till half time i thought okay not final maybe 3 nil 
that's about uh, that's where we're that's where we're trending. Um, but I have to say, what a great job done by done by the boys. I think um, a special shout out to Sabozlai. I already waxed lyrical about him last episode. Full of running, absolute beast in terms of stamina. Even McAllister looked tired uh, by the end of the game, but Sabozlai was still going. He played as an attacking eight, went to a right winger, came back to an attacking eight, went to a number six. And then again went back to the right wing by the end of the game. He did absolutely everything in that match. Um, the subs absolutely changed everything. Harvey Elliott. And then of course, Darwin. Oh my God. He's given me so much to be positive about in the past. But one of the things he's never given was a sense of, hey, Darwin is the kind of guy that if he gets a chance, he's going to score it when it counts. He's always given me the Gabriel Jesus vibes where over a season he will be contributing well. But... That one chance, one goal is definitely not something that he was. And two chances, two goals. And what clinical goals. Loved it. Loved it. Amazing. Just, uh, you know, a couple of questions on the early decisions. So, one was with respect to Trent Alexander-Arnold. After getting a yellow uh, and the and the foul that he committed on Gordon, after that, I think, I think that was definitely another yellow. But do you guys think that the first yellow, you know, where he kind of pushes the ball away, is that... You know, something uh, like overdoing the time-wasting rules, that's my first question. And the second one, Van Dyke, uh, you know, the, the foul that Van Dyke committed, was it again, I think, it uh, like for me, it was going into that, uh, you know, ballpark of would the other defender reach there or not? Would it be a direct shot on target for Isaac or not? So, it, it was a bit questionable for me. What do you guys think? DSK? Yeah, for me, like... Had it happened anywhere else on the pitch, it would have been a yellow at max. Uh, I think we had a lot of debates uh, in our WhatsApp group whether it was a red. I thought I think some of the folks uh, were thrashing me because I said straight red, and that's not because of the severity of the foul. Like yes, it was a foul, but I felt he was clean through. I don't think the other centre back would have reached. It was clear goals goalie, and I think some of the folks probably did not see the impact that Van Dijk made. So, because when you look at the video, it looked like he got the ball. He got the ball, but probably clipped the person first, uh, which was a slight fault. But I think due to the situation there, I thought, yeah, probably red. Uh, the time wasting rules are absolutely stupid. Uh, in the United game, uh, there is a case where there are two balls on the pitch. Uh, Onana waits for somebody to clear off. And this is an injury time, so he's not going to do it. He, he waits for it. The referee comes and gives him a yellow. The referee, like, it's a stupid, like, yeah, follow things to the letter, but have some application. It's like absolute. Yeah. I keep tweeting every week. War is not the problem. It's idiots implementing it. It's like idiots use taking another uh, set of guidelines and absolutely making a shit show of it. Yeah, it's not even it's it's inexplicable really. Like, okay, let's go let's go two seconds before that incident. It was a clear foul on Trent. He was pushed into the sidelines, literally pushed in the back by Gordon. He goes flying, almost reaches where the coaches are sitting. He picks the ball up and then throws it back into the field of play. It wasn't a time, it wasn't like time wasting and if you then look at that, I was delighted when he didn't get the yellow. It was a pure yellow. All day long, second yellow. But the first yellow was not even, like it was the most terrible situation ever. So, for me, justice was totally done. Um, but then, you you come back to Van Dyke. 
I thought it was harsh. Now, I don't mean that from a application of the rules, application of the laws. Now, yes, there, there was clear contact and he, the whole contact happened before getting the ball and all of that. Yeah, that makes sense. But again, for me, for a tackle that was the, the way that it was, I think tons of those happen in games and are not given as fouls also. So, I mean, yes, when you when it's a red card tackle, last man, you do go to the video, you check everything and therefore you can't escape. I get it. But it was a very simple, not so serious tackle for me. So it felt harsh and I thought that it was going to be a three match ban, which is why I thought it was super duper harsh. At the end, it was a it's a one match ban, but now he might get a bigger ban because he swore at the refs and all of that. But I guess that's karma. I'm just reminded of um, the Mike Dean interviews that uh, he's he's given in the last week or so. You remember he talked about the Chelsea Spurs game and he didn't want his mate. And, and the, the mate thing isn't even the point. He didn't want Anthony Taylor to suffer the ignominy of being called to the monitor because he had already had, had a tough game. Like, what's your job as the VAR? And then he had a follow-up interview in the Sky Studio, where he basically spent the entire thing trying to uh, uh, say that, no, no, he's not my mate. I just mean mate as in someone who I work with. And But that isn't the point that people are raising. People are raising the point that when you saw as the VAR that Kukurela's hair had been pulled down, why did, he, why did you not ask the referee to go to the monitor? That's literally your job. So if you're doing stuff like this, I think it's, it's time we stop believing in consistency of application of rules and stuff like this they'll, they'll basically do what they want to do repeating what i said a few minutes back it's about the idiots using it right and mike dean being the biggest one and the big like he uses this as an opportunity to get the attention yeah another reason i was really um uh, peeved about the van dyke red card was that it wasn't a clear and clear goal scoring opportunity because there was Allison, man. Did you see that save from Allison? I think it was a game of two substitutions for me. One, obviously, we have already talked about Darwin Nunes, but the other thing I didn't understand at all was Anthony Gordon. Anthony Gordon had, you know, a Trent Alexander Arnold uh, on 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 the kind of leash that I I last saw him with maybe Marcus Rashford, and I I had no idea why why you know Anthony Gordon would be taken off. That was mystifying. Yeah, I, I felt that, I think the once the red card happened, I felt Newcastle were a bit too cocky, I think. How and his entire team got a bit overconfident thinking, okay, red card, we already have the lead and we are going to cruise. I think that kind of led to the downfall. So, we all hate Newcastle, we hate Eddie Howe even more. So, yay! Yeah, see, I'm not going to um, doomsay so early, but I know you guys already heard me when I said, made my predictions for the first sacking and stuff like that. Um, this is this is basically the point I had, right? Like, I don't think he has the experience or the nouse at that level to make certain decisions at certain times. I don't think he's that he's got a ruthless streak in him yet. And it's a learning curve. I'm sure he'll get better. But that's why I felt like Newcastle will not meet expectations. I'm not saying that that's for sure going to happen. It's just a feeling that I have. But that substitute made no sense. Moving on to another team that plays in red, uh, Arsenal. They dropped uh, some points this weekend. And I, I'm not very keen on this uh, party at RB and uh, not playing Gabriel. All these experiments that he's doing, I'm not too comfortable with uh, what Arteta is trying this season. Any thoughts on that? Yeah, you know, when I was 
thinking about this Arsenal game, uh, you know, what you said was the first thing that came to my mind, that is experimentation. Uh, there are too many changes that are being done. Uh, I, I feel unnecessarily. I thought after three years, maybe three and a half years, they had a very, very nice structure to go forth. If we look at what parts of the structure he can't help and which parts, you know, he's, he's unnecessarily tinkering with, one of them would, of course, be Zaka leaving. So, Havertz coming in, of course, can also, you know, at one level, okay, it's a transfer decision and hence it's, it will take time to bed in. But when when you also think of why he got Havertz, it's a big experiment, right? You He, he didn't, you know, go for a like-for-like like replacement who would kind of help in ball control, contribute in the middle part of the pitch. It's, it's a very left-of-the-field kind of a signing. So, that was one. Second is, of course, whatever he has done on the, you know, during the field of play, which is, I think, primarily Gabriel sitting out. He's given reasons as to the left back not being available and then Gabriel coming in, but somehow doesn't, uh, you know, so, sorry, Gabriel staying out, but somehow doesn't really make sense to me. Why would Gabriel have to sit out just because Zinchenko is not able to play? Uh, you know, you bring someone else into the team, they're also kind of, you know, playing a similar role. Uh, uh, so I'm not able to understand that. And then Partey. Partey is is a very, you know, Alexander, uh, like Trent Alexander-Arnold kind of a shift where on the ball he comes into midfield, etc. And then off the ball, the whole balance is now completely tilted towards that side. I, I feel all these changes at the back, especially preventing them from building up in a nice manner. See, I, I understand the natural criticism that Arteta is getting because, yeah, it's not it's not going as well as everybody expected. But, I mean, at the end of the day, it's still early in the season and I I was a big critic of Arteta to start with in the beginning as well. So, I think he's earned the right to at least see how this plays out, at least for me. I I think he's trying something new and I'm okay to wait and see how it goes. Uh, like exactly what RK said about Trent, right? It's the same thing that they're trying to do. And the fact is they want, they have Rice in there and they want that second um, in the in the box midfield, they want that second guy to be a midfielder. That's part A, so which is why they're doing it. I think that the the plan was always going to be Jurian Timber for that role, but uh, clearly that's not uh, because of Timber's injury. That's not working out, and they're trying something else with it. So I'm not uh, I'm not against it. I'm okay to wait and watch and see how it goes. And uh, of course, this this Sunday. You know, having having said, uh, you know, so many things about them, I'm sure that Arsenal will come blasting back to prove me wrong. Okay, doing his pre-match jinxing already on a Thursday evening. Uh, why so many teams are trying the box midfield? Like, for Manchester City, for example, it made sense because something was definitely not working for them, especially with Haaland coming in and Haaland not being the kind of Pep Guardiola striker. And this shift made sense for them. For Liverpool also, it made sense because they did not have that right player profile. And also, Alexander Arnold was getting targeted. So, it made sense why two of those teams... It made sense for two of those teams. But multiple other teams trying to copy that doesn't seem to be working out. Uh, and not just picking on Arsenal. Because uh, I felt in the first game against Wolves, United tried to do... That with Luke Shaw. Luke Shaw, who is renowned for bombing forward and putting in the clip uh, uh, crosses, was playing in, in the inverted fullback, did not look right at all. Uh, any thoughts on why there is a radical shift from multiple teams? 
what's standing out to me is when everybody made that shift from 442 to 433 it was a simple point of um outnumbering the other team knowing what formation that they're going to play but outnumbering them in midfield and winning those battles now that pretty much everybody has moved to a 433 kind of formation or some variation of that i think this is just the natural next step of that they're trying to still win that midfield battle because everybody knows that that's where matches are won and that's where control not matches are won but that's mm-hmm. where control of the game lies so they're just trying to make sure that they have the upper hand in that control battle the other thing could be that everybody has now gone into the whole attacking full back uh, 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 strategy right i don't think there is a single team um who still plays you know the typical old defensive full backs uh, on the wings and stuff like that so other teams have also figured out a way to counter that perhaps so maybe they're setting traps and uh, counter press situations for that gap in um, i know for sure it happens for liverpool everybody attacks down the right where trent alexander arnold bombs forward so maybe that's another thing that they need somebody else closer to that gap in the in where the full backs have uh, vacated to make it easier to uh, protect against a counter those are the two reasons that i can think of why people are so many people are going down this road uh one more thing is uh, basically with 433 it's almost like you have two wingers you have two number eights and and a striker so you you kind of always try to bring width into the game as well in addition to midfield control now you have five people you know who can potentially attack the you know top line of the field so even from a width perspective or from a attacking numbers perspective this formation seems to kind of tick all the boxes as of now Okay, so listeners, next point we were going to discuss was our FPL tips. But just to take a break from that, uh, Manchester United have been pulled in the same group as Bayern Munich. This is a scam. Why is interesting? Is, why 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 is United, which is like the fourth or fifth team in pod, in the second pod, going to Group A, and why is Arsenal getting Sevilla? Yeah, I'm, so, I'm, who's in the third pot? Is there any uh, interesting? No, I, I think apart from Milan and Newcastle, which anyways doesn't matter for an English team, I don't think there are too many big teams and I mean, big teams in the in the last two. Are you pot. saying it doesn't matter for an English team because two English teams can't be drawn in the same group? Indeed. Yeah. Right. And and in the round of sixteen. Oh. Oh yeah. yeah. Two no, teams from the I same think... country. You know, uh, like the headlines are already there for the English media that that United could have signed Kane, that they didn't, and now he's scoring against them. So you know, all the headlines are there. I can. Uh, I this can... is a scam. I'm sorry, Swag. Uh, Leipzig and City drawn again. Like, don't they play like every year? Ooh, the, the Josco Guardiola derby. Darby. But um, I, some I did don't think we didn't notice that piece of ridiculous jinxing. Three months before the match, that RK has already gotten started. Uh, and there is another big one: Napoli Real Madrid. Wow! <laughs> oh, I mean, I think yeah. uh, uh, Real Madrid's uh, uh, front line of Jose Lu and whoever else that they have may not be able to compete with the might of Napoli. And there is also the Usman Dembele derby in PSG versus Dortmund. So, so that that's also going to be one to look out for. I think Sevilla. Arsenal really good Arsenal. Anyway, Sevilla will lose games so that they finish third and go to Europa and win that again. But yeah. they they will have to contend with Liverpool there this time round. It won't be as easy. You're talking about Sevilla. Doesn't matter. 
Doesn't matter who plays. Did it beat us in a? Like sorry, if I if I remember the first final that Klopp contested was it to Sevilla? I remember that was, the, Mr. that was the year where I don't know if it was Sevilla or it was definitely Sevilla for like two three years. But then um, Unai Emery I think went on a run with Villarreal as well. So it was like Unai Emery doing magic in Europa League for like a few four five years in a row. And, uh, but for now, FPL tips. I'm going to go to Radhaji. Radhaji, you talked about uh, Malo Gusto on the group. Unfortunately, you uh, forgot to put him in your starting eleven. Is it? I forgot to put him. I first of all, I forgot to mention him as one of the recommendations for last week. I thought about it after the pod was done. So at the last minute, I thought, okay, this seems like a no-brainer. I got him in my team. I put him in instead of uh, 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 Estupinian for this game week, thinking, hey, this should be a solid, clean sheet. Little did I know that he was going to go ahead and score 14 points. And now I'm around 15 points off the top of the league. So, yeah, I feel absolutely terrible. So, Malo Gusto, guys, I'm sure his price has increased from 4 to 4.1 or 4.2 now. But he's still a bargain. The other one that I uh, had my eye on and I did make that sub in my team was... Uh, Udogi. I think Udogi is looking um, like a bargain as well. I was waiting to see the first round of midweek fixtures to see what Tottenham do and they played Ben Davies at left back. So I feel like they are definitely setting up a um, number one and number two uh, at the fullback position. So Udogi looks like the number one for now. So he should be a safe uh, bet as well. Nowadays with so many teams concentrating on fullbacks uh, and attacking using fullbacks, what I sense is Teams try to rotate so that they do not uh, burn out. So, I sometimes I feel it's a bit of a risk taking one of them because they'll probably play 25 to 26 games only because there is, I've tried to be taking pep defenders and I've, be, I've been burned and come and been on the floor. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. Also, specific to Dogi. Sorry. Uh, yep. I'm, one of the matches he played really well for really well was against United, so that doesn't count. Uh, and more importantly, I feel Spurs are going to concede quite a bit. Like I had, I think Christian Romero in my team, and I subbed him out, Rob, because yeah, I think they might concede quite a bit. So maybe you'll get few assist points, but yeah, not sure about Spurs defenders. No, I think the um, I think it's also about the price uh, DSK. So um, at the end of the day. Spurs may concede, uh, but the price that Udogi is at, because I don't think the FPL guys had imagined that he would be the starting left-back for Spurs. So, I think that's the reason why it's a bargain similar to Malo Gusto and even Robert Sanchez. I don't think anybody would have imagined that these would be starters for Chelsea. So, that's the value that they have. I, I know what you're saying because Pochettino was the guy who first started that. Like, it was impossible to pick a Spurs uh, wing-back or full-back in your fantasy teams because he kept switching them out every week. Uh, that's why I was waiting for the first round of midweek fixtures to see uh, whether there's a clear trend of um, MSN Royal and Ben Davis playing in uh, in the EFL Cup and they did. So that's giving me some confidence at least for this phase of uh, the Premier League that uh, Pedro Porro and Udogi are going to be the starting Premier League left-backs. It might coming thick in, uh, coming all, all like every week almost. But yeah, at their price, it's a real bargain at least for the next three, four weeks. United uh, boys, so the first four minutes seemed to indicate something else entirely, but then the team came back. Um, there's this Ole style fight back in the second half. 
aided by a red card and silly defending by forest but uh, what are your thoughts on that yeah really really horrible start i i remember sitting down you know with a glass of whiskey and thinking okay i i i messaged dsk before the game that uh, you know i have a really bad feeling about this i don't know why something i'm not able to explain and you know when it started with those two goals in 4 minutes uh, you know it it was really kind of okay my fears coming true but uh, really really poor two goals to concede onana who i complimented so well in the last game uh, last couple of games in fact uh, was was i feel he was uh, badly at fault for the first goal as well of course the situation was not obvious making but uh, you know once rashford made that mistake once van bissaka made that mistake and once uh, you know avoni was clean through one goal i i expected onana to be much more aggressive and cut down the angle second goal uh, was kind of just you know enforcing that whole fluke kind of narrative where you know that kind of goal that probably you can if it's your bad day you catch that kind of goal i think the response was good in certain aspects on the ball in terms of how we were structuring you know how how the players were positioned and how we were building up it was kind of reassuring to see us create so many chances and cut through forest so easily so that so, so that is the good part we showed character to come back into the game as well we had enough and more chances you know to 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 bury it even before we actually won the game uh, like for me the penalty was uh, like uh, like the penalty would have been irrelevant if you know we had finished our easy chances especially casemiro and bruno but you know like concerning from an arsenal uh, game point of view and also for the next few months where players are injured is basically what we are going to do without mount right you know without mount we kind of lost the intensity of pressing you know that we had so that is a big concern i i thought we were not great off the ball so for me going forward that's a big concern are we going to improve off the ball and just hoping against hope that you know somehow we get amrabat i don't think we talked about this but what an incredible couple of games they were Arsenal and United playing at the same time, absolutely superb games to watch both of them. Uh, and I felt like both games were mirroring each other, um, with uh, early upset goal, then a sending off for one of the teams, and then a comeback of sorts. I thought it was a, a amazing couple of games. And uh, by the end of it, I was out of breath. It was a really good. Uh... Let's start with the question on Anana. Like, we have had years of seeing uh, concrete Dave. stay on his goal line uh, and we were thinking orana is this sweeper keeper who is going to stay at the half fail line and kick so i'm pretty surprised why uh, this has happened and uh, that chipped goal how much of that do you think has impacted onana uh, what do you think there i think he's done a lot of crazy shit in his career and i don't think he's changed his st- crazy shit in the sense that he goes running like into places where it's it's tough to see keepers in those places and he's uh, definitely had some errors as well on that i don't think that should impact him that's just the style of play and he was very clear when with his whole world cup debacle that listen i'm not going to compromise my style of play uh, because the manager is trying to constrain uh, me in some way so i don't think and i don't think he should be i think over time he has gotten more responsible as well i don't think that should be a large uh, large factor yeah and and uh, you know you consider any any modern keeper that's not an error i mean he uh, like his positioning was uh, you know very correct uh, in terms of how you see other keepers as well uh, it, it was just a mistake from the full back and 
you know you can't expect the keeper to be on the goal line in those situations yeah the mistake from the full back is that a reason why we're seeing united suddenly in the market for a left back i mean uh, it seems like the last few years united are always in the market for a left back uh, i don't know whether it's to challenge shaw or is it uh, somebody to replace shaw uh united are in, a, in the market right now because malasi is out for at least a couple of months and lukshaw is out till november so they need somebody uh, available till at least december so that when these two come back you do not you are not stuck with the player um, and then you only have dalo uh, and van bissaka the, the good part here being dalo can play on both wings uh, but that i agree with the theory uh, getting anyone as a left back even if it's a random left back i think suddenly uh, gets the uh, motivation for lucha going and he starts playing like roberto carlos for a few games so yeah that also works you guys can have uh, kukurella you've already talked about him uh, we even put him out on the pitch just to show you how good he is he was the highest rated player yesterday apparently that's fallen flat that plan has fallen flat on its back for us yeah i think the the i don't know I'm, what i'm thinking is now that he has played for one club now he comes to united he either has to go back to chelsea because you cannot loan him out to a third club in the same season you just, can't you play just for keep more. keep keep him for the full season and you, don't mind and united and united do not want to keep him because probably lucho did not work you should you should do what uh, chelsea do and just sign like seven left backs and keep them for 20 years uh, i i i'm um, uh, is the emerson at west ham the same full back that chelsea yeah. had or is it somebody that's, that's else okay guy. so there's that's that guy baba rehman i think finally after some 27 years left chelsea uh, earlier this season you should just do what they do but just a quick another question to you united guys we've seen now in two consecutive games or maybe two out of the three games Uh, Casemiro with an absolute miss of the season contender, and then Bruno with a miss of the season contender last last week as well. Anything to be worried about there, or just freak occurrences? Yeah, there is nothing uh, to be worried. There is nothing to be surprised that is United's finishing. Uh, you know, on a more serious note, definitely very worried about Casemiro's form. Looks a bit like you know, probably I don't know if it's the right comparison, but Van Dijk or maybe Fabinho at the start of last season. uh you know suddenly looking like they have lost some pace like suddenly looking leggy and when you factor in the age you know you always have those questions till you know until those doubts are resolved uh, you know probably he is a slow starter he had a slow start last season as well he he took his time to get into the mix of things uh, so hopefully some of that has to do with uh, you know this time again the same thing happening uh, but you know at, at the age of 31 uh, you know you always worry Uh, you know is it the beginning of the end for casemiro and that's where you know the whole worry comes with respect to not having a direct replacement as well but you know it's only been one year of casemiro so i i really when we signed him always had in my mind that at least this, this, this you know this needs to be uh, working for at least two years so hope that he puts it behind but one surprising part was the way he was recycling position when united had the ball something that you probably don't associate casemiro with that was kind of impressive uh, although yes when when united lost the ball it was comical yeah so let's move on now and i don't want to spend too much time on this because reasons but chelsea did finally win a game and um, it was only luton so there's no point going overboard with this but uh, it was good to see some players coming back into form not taking any names 
and uh, yeah seemed like a more cohesive unit but again lads it's luton i don't know did any of you catch the game right you might not be interested in taking names and <laughs> but i'm going to take one name for sure and that's mr rahim sterling what a great display you know you know it just i think dsk was speaking about it and then we all latched on to it one day where you know he was talking of uh, uh, you know pep converting sterling into a tap in merchant look at what poch has done to him in a few months just made him into you know i i am just remembering all those early liverpool which i don't remember too much but what i really hark back to is the euro 2021 sterling was on fire that tournament even in a southgate team he was you know encouraged to go dribble past opponents take people on and we are seeing that same sterling again and and to top it off he's scoring a lot of goals even now yeah so i i actually uh, think that he's a guy who has some freakish strength for his size so that naturally makes him a makes him a very interesting dribbler i thought and i don't think he was playing this way at chelsea also last season i don't think he was playing so um, direct let's call it direct um, maybe that was just a hangover from city but i i was beginning to think okay is this like a reason for this being a lack of physicality or a loss of physicality considering he did start playing at the top level at the age of say 15 or 16 so is it an early uh, loss of physicality that's Uh, coming for Sterling, but what a refreshing couple of weeks it's been. Uh, the other guy, Nico Jackson. I think we've all been talking about him about being an exciting player and one of the things that Chelsea, uh, one of the things that Chelsea have signed, which seemed quite uh, exciting. Um, he got his first goal as well. So uh, there was a lot of talk last week about how he's a guy who just needs his first goal. I think similar to Darwin Nunez in a sense that uh, he has this uh, potential to become a real, uh, real. difficult player to play against for a lot of premier league teams so swag what did you think of uh, nico jackson finally getting off the mark i really happy for him because as you said he seems like this guy who's working for the team he's bringing the other players into it as well it's he's not just playing for himself as some strikers are uh, presumed to but he's 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 a very good link up player so so in that sense as they say you pay your dues and then you get your reward so he he paid his dues throughout the game and not just this game he's been working out throughout pre-season throughout the first two games as well so really felt nice for him to get that goal he seems to also idolize uh, drogba so he has the same shirt number as him and coincidentally uh, they've both scored their first league goals in the third game of the season uh at home to a newly promoted team i mean there are some people who can dig up such sort of links but anyway yeah so i think he's he's pretty chuffed about it and yeah so so are all the fans i guess yeah, question for you how uh, you know two two outgoings uh, is what i wanted to ask you about one is Lew, uh, you know louis hall i read that he's a childhood newcastle fan probably yeah. from from the city that that seems like uh, you know a big loss in the sense of how good a player he was although you have depth uh you know but and also chaloba like when i when, whenever i've seen him play he he looked you know pretty decent someone that chelsea could at least use in the squad instead of bringing the likes of maybe disasi who might be a good player but they spent so you know so much money on him so what do you think of these two outgoings I think a fair bit is linked to the FFP fact because both of them are academy players so whatever you get for them that goes straight on to the books uh i'm pretty sure hall Uh, was not someone we wanted to sell because he is as you said he's demonstrated so much potential i think that's why it's been turned to a loan for this season and then for him to be purchased next season so that we get 
because you can't just sell one season and be happy about it. You have to keep selling to balance the books. And so next, so that will probably go on to next season's books. Um, Chaloba is a is is an odd case because he he gets the confidence of the managers, but and as you said, he's he's usually decent. You remember we had this uh, discussion about Mount towards the end of last season when there were already rumors that he might go to Liverpool or United. And again, he'll he'll always give you that six or seven, and sometimes eight, sometimes nine, but six is for sure. And and I feel that Chalaba is the is the same deal, which is why I think and him being linked to Bayern and Tuchel wanting to buy him as someone who's worked with him before is sort of a validation that he's a good enough player. Why we uh, got uh, Disasi in is, again, uh, probably because it's a longish contract, so you can amortize over a longer duration. He's He was Badia Sheila's uh, teammate at Monaco and, and things like that. So they're probably trying to bring, build something. And then these are the casualties of, of that rebuild that are happening. People like Hall and, and Chaloba. He can stay on, particularly at least for this year, because uh, if if a deal doesn't happen by the end of tomorrow, because uh, Fofana is unlikely to be out soon, uh, to come back soon. But uh, yeah, it looks like he might go, and if he if he doesn't feel that appreciated at uh, Chelsea, I think for him, for his sake, it's probably better to leave. So, talking about feeling appreciated, Swag, uh, how do you think uh, Malang Sar feels right about now when his own coach doesn't know his name? Who, who's who's Malang Sar? I don't know. Is is that a Liverpool player? <laughs> yeah, that was that was odd. I mean, even in football manager, you get to see a list of all the players you have on your books. You might not want to deal with them, but you at least know. I don't I don't know what what if Poch was trying to make a statement about I have I still have too many players. You need to sell more. But yeah, interestingly, Malangsar uh, is on hundred uh, k a week. So we wanted to offload him, which is probably why people like Mount wanted to leave. Because I think, uh, the full draw for the Champions League is done. And there is one group that is catching everyone's fancy listeners. Uh, we've been going crazy in the chat here. And it's PSG, Borussia Dortmund, AC Milan and Newcastle United. There's one for you to watch out for. That's box office. And as... Qatar versus Saudi Arabia. Yes. Qatar That's... versus Saudi Arabia to take hold of uh, Europe. Dude, this is the craziest group I've seen ever. This is insane. Group F for group fucking hell, man. What a what a bloody group this is. Milan, Newcastle, along with PSG Dortmund, man. I'm, absur- I'm actually getting excited about Champions League this time, even though Liverpool isn't there. And uh, also, not to uh, forget, uh, as DSK said, Manchester United will be going back to hell because they've been drawn with Galatasaray in the same group. I say bring Kino to the bus to make sure that the kids are well taken care of. Eh? But yeah, Bayern, Man United, Galatasaray and Copenhagen. Yeah, one small thing that struck me when I saw Copenhagen, Bayern Munich getting drawn is in the 1998-99 season, uh, you know, we had Bayern Munich and we had a Danish team. We had Brondby. So, this time we have Bayern Munich and we have FC Copenhagen. This is that yes. one rare moment, listener, in the That's entire season. That, that arcade doesn't jinx United. Rather, he said that he can win the Champions League. Imagine the level of confidence. Oh, Harry, Kane, Harry Kane against United again. Yeah, early fun. 
yeah he'll he'll finally get to play at old trafford as we thought he might do this season so yeah he'll just be in the opponent's colors but and uh rasmus hoyle back to his hometown home country at least even even the group c seems pretty good uh union berlin hopefully they will be as good this season as they were last and they will offer some surprises for different teams so union berlin real madrid napoli along with braga seems seems a decent decent group um yeah i i like group g manchester manchester city leipzig uh red star boys whipping boys and red star what a group like city keep wondering why they can't sell uh tickets and this is the reason why you 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 play a absolutely random teams nobody is going to come and watch yeah and also just before we move on from the champions league draw sevilla arsenal psv in the same group i think dsk uh, sevilla might struggle to finish third in this one they might have to carry on in the champions league at this rate don't don't underestimate never underestimate sevilla and and don't underestimate rc long as well so i mean yes yeah. we saw what they did against united so rc long dsk feeling it moving on let's quickly uh, if if anyone has anything interesting to talk about uh, the wolves west ham games so obviously wolves won the first six pointer of the season which was like in the third third weekend itself but uh, anything interesting to call out there yeah really interesting it's it's like uh, everton aren't able to score goals shocking because they have no goal scorers in their team uh, i think they have like five or six xg already with zero goals in the in the season so far they actually dominated that game against wolves uh, had at least three or four really good chances and it couldn't end up scoring and as expected ended up losing um uh, the game so yeah i think everton are in real trouble everybody better revise their predictions of first manager to get the sack and moyes ball yeah <laughs> i want to see anirudh krishnan's expression one second one second let's 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 tone it down a notch i was talking about how i really like west ham and i want them to start doing something more positive i have never dissed david moyes i think he's like an effective guy i just don't like his style of management that much uh, they they i mean they're going to be good again uh, uh, under him my problem was that he's on a one year contract man like so what exactly are they doing and if they get 100 million for a player i don't want david moyes on a one year contract to be spending that money on the likes of maguire and tomney and what not i think it's a good choice because look at the players that he gets so he gets fired shonda is comes in or big sam comes in like the set of players are there like they'll they'll not have any problems in finding a manager who fit their system no but but honestly if you just go through that team right and oh my god i'm so happy that they're signing kudus now like it's like a it's a it's a really talented team if you don't tell anybody that the manager is david moyes and the players that you have are paqueta jared bowen um benrama kudus uh, they've got so uh, edson alvarez uh, i mean there what well he's a little bit of a, a, a basic guy. b in this in this in this list of names that i was reeling out but it's a pretty talented skillful team i mean it's not the kind of team that i would imagine david moyes would have preferred if he was uh, getting the say on who to sign and there's no way he's going to get a say on who to sign if he's on a one year contract i do think they are thinking about plan b post david moyes yeah probably at the end of the season they ship out antonio and what pros but yeah i think those are the two players who are going to take them in the top half 
the season. Uh, interesting point on West Ham. Uh, it's not particularly West Ham, but the game that they played against Brighton. I think there is a video by Tifo on how how brilliantly West Ham uh, did not get fall into the Brighton trap. And looks like there's a template that teams are now following on how to play Brighton, how to not walk into the trap, wait, uh, make them lose patience and then hit them on the counter. So let's see how many of the other teams uh, 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 follow these tactics. Uh, quite uh, sometimes I feel, I mean, Brighton to be some very similar to what Always United did in terms of results, not in terms of tactics, of course. Tactically, I think they're better in the sense that they really punched about the way they wait against teams that play really good football. But uh, at the same time, uh, when when somebody waits patiently, uh, you had no clue and then you leave huge gaps open. Quickly moving on because we spent enough time on the Champions League draw, which was too much fun for us. Uh, this weekend, there's just one game I want to talk about. Uh, Arsenal and Manchester United. Definitely the game of the weekend. And uh, what do we think? What's going to happen here? I think we already know what RK thinks. He took an extra week to bring in his jinxes about uh, uh, about this game from last week's episode itself. Um, I think it's going to be, like I said, I think that this this was one of the better games, two better pair of games to watch this weekend. So I'm pretty interested to see how it's all going to pan out. And two of the teams that DSK said uh, are trying out this new formation, this new style of play, which obviously Pep has been using for a while. Um, and probably not nowhere near as settled and as uh, um, I, I think there's going to be a lot of gaps in in their execution. So and they both have and we saw Bruno was great. I think Rashford, uh, if he moves into those kinds of spaces, that we know that that right right side of party is going to be the area to target, and Rashford can find a pocket there. I think it's going to be a really exciting game. Yeah, interesting point there, rather. Uh, because unlike the first two games uh, against Forest, Rashford played on the left and he was quite effective. I think he had two assists in the game. So, how would uh, United, uh, how would Arsenal react to the threat? Because you have Rashford there. Uh, at the same time, it could be the other way around because you are playing at the Emirates with Party moving to the center. Uh, would would Rashford be following him, or would, how would the overload work? That's an interesting battle that we'll have to see. And the other battle would, of course, be the battle of the eights. Uh, Rice versus Bruno would be very interesting to see how that pans out. Uh, with will Rice be sticking to marking Bruno out because uh, it is it after probably a couple of seasons that I saw Bruno takes so many of long shots. He has been more Looking at bringing others into play in the last year, year and a half, but at times during the Forest game, it looked like the Bruno from 2020 where he was taking shots uh, left and right and a lot of them on target also. So, would would Rice be sticking to him? Uh, that was also an interesting thing to look out for. Uh, the worry, of course, is United's fullback situation and the centre-back situation. So, how uh, how... They're going to go up with Martinelli and Saka is something to be really, really worried about. Yeah, I think uh, DSK on the point you mentioned about, you know, fullbacks uh, or Partey for that matter inverting. 
I I think this game is finally you know going to probably see Arteta reverting to type. A reason being, if I'm not mistaken, Zinchenko is is almost back. He he I think made a couple of sub appearances and he is I think almost ready to start. So if that is going to be the case and you know with the experimentation not really having worked so far, Arsenal are under pressure to get some points after the draw against Fulham. I think Zinchenko if he starts, then it means that he is the one who's going to slot you know next to Rice. and then it will be you know interesting to see if who who's going to make way is is it going to be havertz who makes uh, who makes way and then partey comes into the base of midfield and rice plays the number 8 role or is it going to be you know uh, partey continuing at right back but maybe in a slightly you know different role that would be interesting i i i personally feel partey and rice might be there in the midfield whereas zinchenko drops in so it will probably be antony who will need to you know drop in uh to help us off the ball and then uh it it might be a good option for united to go with mctominay in this game and because we would need a kind of two deep midfielders to track both odegards as well as the attacking number 8 run on the other side so hopefully i i think mctominay should play ahead of erickson given that i i don't see mctominay getting sold and you know amrabat coming in and even if he comes in it will be like a kaisedo situation with no precision at all as we talk about mctominay there's a bid for mctominay from fulham so let's see where that goes ah uh, that's because uh, palinia is apparently going to buy in yeah there's a triangle of uh, signings going on there on arsenal quickly i didn't talk about it when we were talking about the game and i had made a note to fabio vieira was just outstanding it's one of the best uh, uh, substitute appearances that i've seen in a long time he was incredible he came on and completely ran the game changed the game i think right up there like maybe just before um, uh, nunes sorry just after nunes in terms of the best um, um, sub appearances of this weekend so yeah there's some interesting stuff that both teams can do um, i do think that uh, yeah i agree with you guys that i think that they might revert to type but then what happens um, in midfield with havertz and uh, this one is definitely going to decide how this game is going to go Uh, Jesus is also back, so uh, I think it's going to be a lot of different. I wonder if Arteta is going to actually play the tactical guy, do a Jose or a Rafa kind of move. He is very different to Pep, but you know it's more of I have my style and I'm going to stick to it. Of course, he's going to do all those nasty experimentations, but I I don't see a major change in style coming from Arteta. If at all, probably interesting to see what Ten Hag has up his sleeve because United are not really counter pressing very well. so do we kind of stay deep or do we try to play counter how do we deal with that you know but as a, it's it's very important that united uh, that united stay compact whatever shape they adopt have to stay compact yes yeah, so, so listeners can probably see my kids running around now so i think that's basically a signal for us to <laughs> <laughs> to to get to the end of the episode uh, just before we close uh, the window is closing tomorrow is there one transfer you want to go through for your club some keeper some keeper please uh, i was quite happy knowing that uh, andre nana had retired from international football looks like there is a complete u turn and the african cup of nations is somewhere in the middle of all of this so without a keeper uh, now that Henderson has moved to Crystal Palace. United are in dire straits. I, I I think a certain Fenerbahce keeper is you know going to hopefully coming to United 
just before he goes back to his rivals Galatasaray in the group stage. So probably that will get done. Uh, but please, midfielder has to be there. We have already talked about all the midfield struggles. Please get, I mean, anyone, but not anyone, but definitely Sofyan Amrabad would be very welcome signing. Yeah, you might need to pay more than the 2 million you've been offering for him. So for Chelsea, it's probably going to be outgoing. I am hoping ZH and Joe will leave. And as my kids say, that's probably the end of the episode. Callum Hudson or I cracked them up, I guess. Yeah, my daughter doesn't like him. On that note, listeners, I think it's time for the end of this episode. We'll catch you again soon. 